Welcome into the world with G right here on ESPN 105.1 The Zone, ESPN Chattanooga.com, and the TuneIn app. You can make it over on the airwaves, but you're with me, and I appreciate that. Yes, sir. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Our numero dos right here on the word with G. We are a little bit. Hey, what's up? And of it's course, I did not put the stop command in there. That is my bad. Again, I got a lot of things going on. I'm very excited. My best friend from from childhood and still now, just just you know, Nick was was on the line with us. So hyped up, hyped up, excited about that. But um, but yeah, and I'm also excited about our next guest. And before we waste any more time, let's get to him. The host of the Sam D podcast. Award-nominated host, uh, formerly of the Pick and Pop podcast, just dropped the podcast today, so didn't get a chance to listen to it just yet. But excited to have him on as always. It's our NBA Jam Sesh Plus because we do a little sometimes other than basketball talk. Sam Dusenberry Jr. is our guest. What's up, Sam D? Gee, what is the deal, man? It's a, it's a glorious day. We're heading down the stretch of the NBA season. There's a lot of moving and shaking off the court as well. So always appreciate it to chop it up with you for an hour, bro. What's up? Knicks, seven in a row, dude. The hype machine in New York over. City must be going wild. Uh, yeah, my phone has been blowing up. All my friends from childhood that I couldn't find over the last, you know, five, six, seven years have now all of a sudden remembered my phone number and have uh, alerted me to the prowess of your New York Knickerbockers. And, uh, you know, when it comes right down to it, they're five games over 500. And I think that's, that's a sign that Zion is coming. I mean, I, I know you heard the comments. I, I certainly did. But Zion said his favorite place to play is the world's most famous arena in Madison Square Garden. So, Nick fans have taken that bait like they took the bait with LeBron, like they took the bait with Kobe, and like they took the bait with Jordan. So I love when Nick fans are excited because that means when they fall back down to reality, I'm there to crush their dreams. That was uh, that was exactly my thought. I, if you didn't mention those names, I was going to be like, yeah, you know, Zion's favorite place to play is, is New York City. Yeah, just like LeBron, just like MJ, and just like Kobe. But how many of them came and played? Full time at New York? No, no. Well, that, well, that's always the thing. Knicks fans always confuse it. These players love to play in New York at the Mecca in front of that crowd yeah. and everything like that. That doesn't mean they want to play for James Dolan. It's a big Can big you blame them? Coming in once or twice a year and playing the Knicks, then, oh, I have to actually bow down to you know JD in the straight shots or whatever it is. Like, no, 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 I'm good. I'll just fly in once a year, and then dip out and wave to the Knicks fans from LaGuardia as I peel out. I know uh, I know uh, my guy Paul, uh, who, who's a, one of our regular callers in Louisiana, he's called me a couple of times, and, and he's certainly hyped up about the Knicks. He was texting me nonstop last week when they were playing the Pelicans, and they beat the brakes off the Pelicans a couple of times uh, over the last week or so. And um, you know, but my, my thing with the Knicks, and we're going to get back on track with the Hawks and some other things in the NBA, but and I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked you know, my audience in the last segment where we were talking about weird things that you've seen in a sporting event or injuries or something like that. I'm going to get back to that in a minute. But you look at the Knicks and what is something in you and I, what is, what is something that you and I always talk about with the Hawks about their wins? Uh, they beat bad teams and they lose to good teams. Exactly. And that seems like the exact formula that's happening with the New York Knicks right now. No? Shh. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Just be happy your 
five games over 500. Just focus on 32 and 27. It doesn't matter who the 32 came against. It doesn't matter that if you look at the splits, the road versus home and teams over 500 versus under 500, don't shh. You're talking too much truth. We don't like truth in sports, G. We don't like, especially sports talk and sports talk radio, we don't like truth. Just keep spitting the narrative. Tibbs is a coach of the year contender. Oh, yeah. Because they beat bad teams. 100%. Stop telling the truth. Sam Dusenberry Jr., again, our guest here on The Word with G. You know, as a Knicks fan, I and you know this, and you've, you've lamented on this about me, that I've gone from a crazy Knicks fan and probably one of these people that are throwing parades outside of uh, the garden and, and things like that on 34th Street and whatnot and just going nuts to more of a realist. And I'm seeing from the outside in a little bit more and a little bit better that, yeah, this team isn't very good. The organization's not very good. And the fact that they are five games over 500 right now and just beating bad teams, for me, that isn't, that, that, that's actually a step in the right direction because the last couple of years, really the last decade, we've struggled to beat teams that we should beat consistently. So for me, this is a nice little step. I'm not getting crazy saying that they're going to make any sort of crazy run into the playoffs and Tibbs should be the coach of the year. But I'm saying is it's nice that they actually can beat a team or two that they should beat. Well, well, that's kind of the thing. If you watched the, the TNT broadcast last night, the the, um, the post-game show, and it was uh, D-Wade, Candace Parker, and Shaq, you know, Candace and D-Wade, they're fully on this Tibbs thing because, you know, they're both from the Chicago area, so they, they, they bow down to Tibbs. So they were trying to convince Shaq, no, the Knicks are back. They're a really good team. And Shaq's just like, yo, they're, they're a five seed. Like, let's, like, they're only a couple of games. Off, like, let's relax. But they're like, no, no, stay, stay got their backs because people just want, let, let, let's be real. The NBA is great when the good teams or when the big market teams are in the mix. You don't necessarily have to be contending mm-hmm. great, but when the New Yorks, the LAs, Boston, you know, the, the Texas teams, when those Chicago, when those teams are good, when the big markets are, are really involved, it means something. It generates more buzz, more revenue, more ratings. So the league itself has been desperate for the Knicks to become decent. And now we've arrived. But Knicks fans can't be satisfied with decent. As you seem to have noticed, it's a step. Knicks fans are talking about their one piece away. <laughs> this is why you give them an inch to take a foot. They just can't relax. They can't enjoy, you know, how Sam Hinkie said, trust the process. Knicks fans aren't had not been taught to trust the process. They just go from zero to a hundred in about five seconds, and they're not driving a Tesla. They're driving an old ass Pinto <laughs> named Tom Thibodeau, the meniscus tearing taskmaster. Very well said, Sam Dusenberry Jr. Again, our guest here on the Word with G. As he is every single weekday, or not weekday, but every single Wednesday. Here on The Word with G. All right, we're going to step aside. We're going to take a quick break here. I know we're only a couple of minutes in, but I want to give Sam more time to talk a little bit more of his talk because you can already see he's bringing it right from the jump as he does every single Wednesday right here with us on The Word with G talking his talk about the New York Knicks. I promise you, Hawk fans, we are going to get into the Atlanta Hawks and what he, he thinks about what they've been doing lately, maybe getting a little bit healthier moving forward. We got Knicks Hawks tonight, so we'll kind of merge those two. We'll also talk to Sam a little bit about any kind of weird or unique sports injury that he's seen in person or while he was playing the game of basketball or I don't even know if he played baseball. Sam, did, did you ever play baseball growing up? 
I played baseball growing up. Um, I played a couple more like pickup baseball, but only organized baseball I played was later in my life than softball. Okay. And I definitely had seen some interesting injuries in there. So I might try to mix some of those in, but I, I, I got the basketball ones for you. So we can Perfect. Take break. Perfect. We will do that when we come back. Stick with us. This is The Word with G on ESPN 105.1 The Zone. Back here on The Word with G on ESPN 105.1 The Zone with my guy Sam Dusenberry Jr., host of The Sam D Podcast. Check it out, thesamd.com, for all of the merchandise, all of the audio, the visual, the trash narratives that he's done, the rewatching of old basketball games. That was a big pandemic topic for him, and those are the ones that have kind of blown up on YouTube, and people seem to really like those, huh, Sam? Yeah, it's, it's uh, interesting. It's kind of uh, forcing me to go back into the lab and find some more old NBA games to watch. So if anyone in your audience has any suggestions, uh, they can hit me up on Twitter at ZSamD, as you said. But uh, yeah, the Hoops Kickback is, is what I do on YouTube. And uh, the Michael Jordan video I watch has gotten a lot of views. And I did one on John Stockton hitting the game-winning three against the Rockets. So going back into the lab and finding some more classic moments from the 90s to mm. watch. Uh, would you ever consider doing some classic moments from the 2000s? Sure. The only the only problem with YouTube is copyright stuff. Uh. So more of the the more recent stuff, like within the last 20 years, is usually heavily copywritten. Whereas the 90s, you can still find a few gems that are not necessarily under copyright. Gotcha. So yeah, it, I mean, I don't mind doing it, but you know. Somebody got to pay the bills. Understandable. Um, but yeah, if, 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 if we get to a certain point where the 90s ones carries us a certain way monetarily, then I got no problem doing some ones okay. for free from the 2000s. Okay, I like it. Well, the one I was thinking of in particular, and you probably would have no interest in doing this, but the one of the games that I remember t- particularly that was fun for me was, well, actually there's two of them, and one was against your former team in the Bulls on Christmas where Melo hit that crazy shot, a deep three, a couple of deep threes on the Bulls, and then the other one, was against the Celtics in which Steve Novak and J.R. Smith just went absolutely bonkers from three. Well, the one I would really want to watch, and it's a late 2001, uh, Paul the Fraud Pierce. Um, he hit a game winner against y'all and proceeded to do an airplane motion. Yes, I remember that around one. Around the yep. garden, and Nate Robinson tried to jump on his back, and he missed. <laughs> so you have the Pierce, Paul Pierce, running around like an airplane on the Mecca floor. And then here comes Nate, who has to be in front of the camera somehow, some way, so much so that he got knocked out a couple of months ago for a check. And he comes flying over the back of Paul Pierce. So that that would be one that I'll be interested in. You can give me all the pro-Nick ones, and I'll find just as many anti-Nick ones. You could probably probably find more anti-Nick ones for sure. Uh, But, yeah, if you have any suggestions for Sam, any any basketball fans that want to – anything that you'd like him to rewatch and and, and hawk ones. Break down. I haven't done any Hawk ones. So Get some Neek in there, some Dominique. Dominique. Yeah. Yeah. Dominique, we can even go Josh Smith and that squad from back in the day with Horford and uh, Joe Johnson and that squad. So, yeah, my my, my DMs are open. Paul. At the Sam D, T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D, up on Twitter, at thesamd.com. I presume there's some sort of an email that people can find you in there as well. Yes, everything is on thestamd.com. If you want to reach out on the uh, SamD website, it is uh, me at thestamd.com. Love it. Uh, again, Real Sam, simple. 
Sam Duesenberry Jr. hanging with us here on The Word with G. If you want to jump in, 423-648-1051. Again, 423-648-1051. Before I ask you the question of, and I may say this for the last segment, uh, of the, the question of you know injuries in sports and craziest things you've ever seen on a basketball court or you know softball diamond or baseball field, whatever it may be, I had a, I was talking to a friend of mine, you know, who who does a podcast around here with the Tennessee sports, my guy Chase Green, and he's a Hawks fan, and he made the comparison to me, and I thought it was a pretty spot on one, but I'm I'm now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, let me ask Sam about this. He made the comment and said that the Hawks are basically the Eastern Conference equivalent to the Portland Trailblazers. Does that make sense to you? Does that sound about right? Does that sound like a, a fair comparison? Well, I mean. If, if you're telling me it's a team that has a lot of pieces but won't ever win a championship, sure. But in regards to talent, I don't think there's. I'm not saying right now. I'm not. Lillard. I'm not saying right now. I'm saying like throughout the years where they're kind of like a middling seed that has some good talents and they have maybe aspirations to to be maybe a real contender in the East or the West and they never really could get over that hump. And I know. That, that Dame has carried them to a Western Conference Finals, and I know ISO Joe and, and, and Joe Smith and those guys back in the day for the Hawks never really got a chance to get them to that level. But um, but Coach Bud, Mike Boonhoser, was there for a while, and everybody seemed to love him, and the Hawks were you know around a, a top-four seed a lot, of the, a lot of those years and just could never really get the job done. And it seemed like, it seemed like the Portland is sort of in that same boat where they're like that. They're not a huge market team. At least you know, Atlanta's a bigger market, but... And they're just one of those teams that always seem like they're in the mix, but just never have enough to, to really compete for a championship. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can I could kind of twist my neck enough to maybe see see that, but I think more of what the um the Hawks are is if you look at a team that tried to build through the draft and try to mix in some vets to try to make that thing go, I think you kind of have to look at like a OKC, how they had Durant. Westbrook and Harden, and they built through the draft that way, and then they tried to mix in some young vets or some unheralded vets to kind of make that thing go. You had a Perkins, you had a uh, Nick Collison, you had a bunch of like kind of no-name guys to fill out the rest of that roster, but the the bulk of the squad was built around those three young players. And I think when you have Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, and um, either Cam Reddish or John Collins, whoever you want to put in as that third young player. I think to me that's a little bit more of a more you know apples to apples comparison than apples to oranges with the uh, the Portland comparison. But you know, shout out to Chase for for thinking deep because that is a deep cut to go with uh, Portland and their their playoff uh, struggles and sometimes malaise and compare them to this generation's Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, it seemed to me it didn't seem so far fetched. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty pretty accurate with the two teams that generally are you know in the middle there or top of the each of their conference and. Just never really can seem to get it done, but uh, don't mind the. So wait, is, is he talking about the Hawks from back in the day or the current Hawks? No, the Hawks it's from back in the day. Portland. Oh my bad. Okay, so uh yeah, still. Mm. See, I, th- I thought that was pretty solid because the the uh, I mean, the Trailblazers are always there. I would compare the Trailblazers and the the Hawks more so in my mind than than the Hawks to the Thunder. Yeah, see, it's tough because, like, the Hawks back in the day, they were they were heavily, right? They had, what, Horford, Joe Smith, Iso Joe, uh, who was point, Bibby, 
Um, they had they had a whole bunch of dudes, right? But they didn't. They never really had a clear number one. I guess ISO Joe was the closest thing they had to a bona fide number one option. But when you look at what Portland has done, like it's, I mean, Dame's fourth best player in the world. So I, I think that's where to me it's a little hard to make those two things fit because Dame is so clearly better than anyone that was on that Hawk squad that it's hard for me to make that comparison. So if you give me another team that had just a collection of dudes, maybe the Celtics the last couple of years where they had a yeah. Gordon Hayward, yeah. Al Horford again, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, you know, Kembo or Terry Rozier or whichever incarnation of the Celtics where just a bunch of guys that maybe no clear number one. And that team has made three of the, three out of the last four Eastern Conference Finals, but obviously has never gotten over the hump. So maybe to me, that Celtics crew, which is a bunch of collection of lottery picks, is the closest thing to that old school back in the day Atlanta Hawks squad. All right, Atlanta Hawks. Again, Sam Dusenberry Jr. hanging with us here on The Word with G. Uh, the first year under Coach Bud, they were, it was 2014-2015. They finished first in the Southeastern Division. They went 60-22. and and that team consisted of Kent Bazemore, Elton Brand, Damari Carroll, Austin Day, Al Horford, John Jenkins, Kyle Korver, uh, Shelvin Mack, Paul Millsap, Mike Muscala, Dennis Schroeder, Mike Scott, Tebo Sevalosha, and Jeff Teague. Like, there's no, there's no clear-cut number one dude on that team like a Dame. Yeah, there, there's no top 10 player. There's no top 15 player. Yeah, I mean, maybe Horford might have still been top 25 at that point, but that, that's probably debatable. So, yeah, there was no – it was just a collection of dudes. I think Coach Bud came in and with that, that Spurs-style thing that he, he was known for, came in and kind of cleaned house in terms of giving them a proper way to play the game. And much like how the Knicks needed a complete refresh with a new coach and a new mentality with the meniscus tearing taskmaster Tibbs, Coach Bud kind of did that for that Atlanta Hawks squad through and then you look at the Hawks from back in the day where you were kind of more talking about with the guys there, 2010, 2011, uh, under Larry Drew, they went 44 and 38. They finished third in the Southeast division that year. You got guys like Mike Bibby, as you mentioned, Jason Collins, Jamal Crawford, Jordan Crawford, uh, Mo Evans, Kirk Heinrich, Al Horford, Iso Joe, your boy Zaza Pachulia was on that team. Uh, Josh Powell, Josh Smith, Jeff Teague. And Marvin Williams. Not a great roster. Look, the, the Hawks, Hawks basketball, I can understand why we don't have a lot of Hawks callers calling in because they really haven't given the, the Atlanta or the Tennessee Chattanooga area that much to really be jazzed up about. I mean, it, it's been a long time since the days of Meek, you know, Kevin Willis, Tree Rollins, you know, John Conkack, the immortal John Conkack, and that great contract that the Hawks uh, gave to him. Uh, Danny Manning, Christian Leitner. Like, I could run down the Hawks from back in the day, the Plastic Man, Stacey Augman. Like, those, those, those are the Hawks I would love to, you know, communicate and, and do a little back and forth with the audience about. But I think that, that that audience might be aged out because, you know, what have they had? So, I mean, this, I could still name off, you know, Josh Smith and uh, Iso Joe and that whole squad. And that was about 10, 11 years ago. They really haven't had that much to hang on to. And I think they got gassed up with this current bunch uh, with them, you know, basically fortifying themselves, entrenching themselves in the prospects of Trey Young, who I think is no more than a B player. Sam Dusenberry Jr. again hanging with us here talking some basketball on the word with G. If you'd like to chime in about 
maybe the old school Hawks, the new school Hawks. Who would you compare them to uh, maybe in the Western Conference? 423-648-1051. Again, 423-648-1051. All right, let's talk a little bit about the current Hawks. I know we've uh, we, we, we've been kind of dancing around them a little bit, and um, they've been, 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 uh, been playing better of late, 32-26. and 26. They're right around where the Knicks are. They've won a couple of games in a row, but it's the same thing, Sam, as we've been kind of talking about that. They can beat the teams that they're supposed to beat now when they're a little bit healthier, but they can't beat the Bucs. They got beat by, you know, uh, what was that, 11 uh, against the Bucs uh, at home against Mil- uh, Milwaukee, and they've, they've won their last couple of games at home. They've got the Knicks tonight at 8 o'clock at Madison Square Garden. So with them getting healthier, for my money, look, they're not a championship contender but to me, with with Bogdanovich and Herter and Trey Young and John Collins and now Lou Lemon Pepper Lou coming off the bench drop in twenty two last night, they seem like a bit at least a funner, a more fun team to watch or a funner team to watch. We want to go incorrect grammar. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, it helps to have all your players, right? And that that's that's always been my biggest bucket boo is that you know they had the the easiest schedule in the second half of the year. They fired Lloyd Pierce just before the end of the first half so that Nate could get a great bump coming in out the gate. And he did what he was supposed to do. He, you know, believed in Trey Young and they beat the bad teams and he lost to the good teams. So it's it's hard for me to put any stock in what they're doing. It's obviously great to have Bogdanovich there on a nightly basis. He's huge. He was what he was he's been as advertised when they made that free agent acquisition. Uh, but in terms of long-term prospects, I just don't know what this team does. I don't, I don't know what John Collins does at free agency. Um, Trey Young, can he take another step? And if he does, what does that step look like? Does he become a B player to a B-plus player? Or can he make the jump to an A player? Can you be that small and that bad at defense and be an A-plus player or at least an A player? We haven't seen one like that in a very long time. So. I think this is fool's gold. I think Atlanta Hawks fans should just ride this wave and just finish out the year and be happy with whatever the outcome is. If they look like they'll pretty safely make the playoffs, but you can't really expect anything more than that. If they lose in the first round, great. If if they're able to squeak by someone and get to the second round, then you become ecstatic. But by no means do you invest yourself into thinking that this is the core group of a championship contender. All right, we got a phone call. Let's go to the phone lines right now, 423-648-1051. Welcome into the show. What's up? How's it going, gentlemen? Oh, there he is. Hey. What's up, Paul? Yeah, yeah. Sarah, my man, I have a bone to pick with you, bro. Oh, yeah. here we go. All right, you two down on my knees, and I'm Paul, a fan, go. but I'm not a fan of you today. Now, what you're okay. not giving credit enough credit to us because we have beat a playoff team of the uh, Mavericks. We have Stop we it. own the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> so far, we, we swept them. So far, we 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 so far we we play Atlanta next, but we swept Atlanta. Um, we have competed and hung in there with the Brooklyn Nets. We have hung in there with a lot of talented teams. We're not losing. Hung not getting blown competed. out. Doesn't sound like you a know? win, though. So, but 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 the competitive teams and and um some playoff teams we have beat and swept so far, and we're in the run. So you know, as the time developing, we are getting better. I still think Tom Thibodeau deserved Coach of the Year. Paul, before I'm going to cut you off right there. I just turned off the the, pot, the phone pot, so neither of you can talk. But let me just say this. You mentioned the Milwaukee Bucks, and I just went back, and because I remembered, I was like, you know, I feel like they didn't quite beat the Bucks at full strength. The best player that played in that game for the Bucks, Brooke Lopez. You may continue. Okay, I mean, okay. 
Now then you have You're to add. Yeah, I, I believe Julius Randle deserves to be in the MVP um, discussion. Cause of- Go ahead, Sam. What did you say? I didn't catch you there. He said the Knicks are also 0-9 against Brooklyn, Miami, and Philadelphia. 0-9. Go, Go ahead, Paul. Hello? But you're three and zero against Washington. Go so, ahead, Paul. You know, there's that. Uh, I believe Julius Randle deserves to be in the MVP um, discussion. Um, people trying to put Steph Curry. I believe Curry deserves to be of this month. But so far, where his team is ranked at and what he has been doing over the season, this is his best month. But Julius Randle been doing it all season. I believe he should be up there in the MVP candidate of, of being spoken about because look how far he has been taking the Knicks to where we at in the playoff run on the Eastern side. I believe he deserves to be in that discussion. Just my opinion. I would like to hear your take. And now listen, and y'all have a blessed one. Thanks, Paul. You too, man. I will before you see you get into it, Sam. Let me let me just say this that I made the comment about the Bucks and when they beat the Bucks, uh, Giannis at Dentacumpa was was one of their leading scorers on the team. Uh, his brother Giannis played in the game prior to that when they faced the Knicks, and they had they were at full strength and they beat up on the Knicks one thirty four one hundred one. And again, they're zero nine against Brooklyn, Miami, and Philadelphia. So let's let's look, let's be clear when we're talking about the Knicks and their thirty what thirty two wins thirty two and twenty seven. Yeah, none of those wins have come against the true cream of the crop in the East, which is Brooklyn, Miami. Even though they got a lot of injuries, a lot of other stuff going on, and Philadelphia. Um, as far as Julius Randle, if, if you want to shill for Julius Randle because he's the best player y'all have had since Melo was jettisoned out of the Mecca, then sure, you know I'm not I'm not mad at that. But to think that Julius Randle is the MVP player, you're telling me someone who's giving you less than 25 points a game is the MVP candidate. You're telling me someone that, truth be told, you can't really trust in a big spot because, hello, he's never been in a big spot. It's now going to jump up to an MVP consider uh, contender. Like, well, what are we talking about here? If you, I'd rather give Nurns Noel more MVP consideration than Julius Randle. I'd rather give Derrick Rose more MVP consideration than Julius Randle. I can't believe that Paul would hop on these airwaves in your show, G, and give you this type of talk about your New York Knicks. Now, I understand Knicks fans are happy. They are giddy. They're throwing pep rallies outside the Mecca on 8th Avenue after every home win. I love that. But please, we're giving you this inch. Stop asking for a mile. We're giving you the inch. We're foregoing it. You're okay. You're above 500. You haven't seen these types of winning percentages in almost a decade. I understand. But please, let's calm down. Please, let's pump the brakes and relax. Enjoy being five games over 500. Imagine this is what they're doing for just being five games over 500, G. Can you imagine if they were legitimately good? I know. It's been so long. We'll be hearing. Thibodeau would be better than Red Auerbach. Of course. He'll be better than Phil Jackson. Julius Randle would be better than Giannis. He would be better than Anthony Davis. This is what's going to continue to come if the Knicks become relevant again. And this is why I call myself Chief Nick Hater number one, because I have to keep bringing Knicks fans back down to reality.
I'm glad I've gotten myself to reality. I don't think I've needed a reality check from you, but I've, I've brought myself to more of a, a clear-minded reality as I've gotten older and I've gotten kind of away from the situation. But still a Nick fan in general. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the other team in New York because they've got a couple of stars who can't seem to continue to stay in the lineup. How much is that going to affect them going to the playoffs? And one of the other big market teams on the other coast has a star returning. Is it just in time to save LA's playoff hopes? We'll talk about that with you coming up next right here on The Word with G on ESPN 105.1 The Zone. What's up? Welcome back to The Word with G. 47 past the hour of 1 o'clock. We're rolling with you until 2. Rejoining us now is the host of the Sam D Podcast, Sam Dusenberry Jr. And he joins us uh, every Wednesday, 1 to 2. We talk basketball, we talk sports, we talk life, we talk craziness, we talk whatever whatever's on your mind. We'll have some fun with it every single Wednesday for the entirety of the hour. Quickly, Sam, before we run out of time here, I'm, I'm curious, and I want to go to the Brooklyn Nets first since we're on the New York State of Mind topic. It does not seem like we're going to have the proverbial big three all healthy at the same time. So with this new development of James Harden now re-injuring his hamstring and that, you know, he was maybe a little bit out of shape when he was in Houston. Now he's coming over to Brooklyn. He's trying to get it, got his way out of there, but now he's not maybe super healthy and Steve Nash was hoping that he'd get him back for the playoffs or is hoping that he gets him back for the playoffs. How confident or not confident are you that we will see the big three in the playoffs all together? They'll be able to stay healthy and they'll win a championship. Uh, I think you'll see a semblance of it. You, they definitely won't be at full strength. I mean, hell, even Kevin Durant um, has battled a myriad of injuries. So I don't, I think Kyrie Irving might be the most healthy of the big three. Um, and now you're looking at all these trades that they had had to do and LaMarcus Aldridge retiring suddenly on them with the irregular heartbeat. They have no depth. They have absolutely no depth. When you look at they lost Dinwiddie early in the year. They traded away Karis LeVert uh, and, and all their other remaining depth in that. Uh, and now when you look at what's left, if Kevin Durant is going to be hobbling through the playoffs, if the Beers somehow could come back by the first round, even though they probably won't need him specifically for the first round, I don't know what to expect from this team. You know, on paper, if you just tell me I got Harden, uh, Durant, and Kyrie, I think I have a chance to win a championship. But if you tell me Kevin Durant's only 75 80%, the Beard also 75 80%, and I'm putting all my championships hope, championship hopes on Kyrie Irving, that's a dicey proposition for me to accept. So. I think it'll be obviously an interesting and fascinating uh, storyline as we get closer here. But I do think you will see a semblance of the big three in the playoffs, especially if they get to the second round. All right, what about for the Lake Show out on the left coast? Anthony Davis uh, is, is seeming to returning this week. It, it, it's going to be a nice welcome sight for, for the Laker fans because they've missed him for a while. And with LeBron out as well, they've been kind of just trying to keep their head above water what do you make of the Lakers' prospects going down the stretch of the season here with Anthony Davis returning? And then I was listening to NBA radio the other day, and they were talking about maybe LeBron targeting the last couple of games before the postseason to come back, ramp it up a little bit, 
and then be ready to go when it comes to get when it, when it comes time to postseason play. Yeah, I think none of this matters for the Lakers. Um, Anthony Davis has probably been ready for a couple of weeks, but the Lakers have not wanted to put him out there for fear of re-injuring himself. So um, I'm not as concerned about the Lakers as I am the Nets. I think the Lakers are far and away the best team in the whole league. Uh, despite what Utah has done, despite what the Suns have done in the old English font, bringing in the point guard, I think the team to beat in the Western Conference, no matter what seed they finish in, they could fall all the way down to six. They might even, if they go on a bad streak, might even end up in the play-in. But no team in that top six, if they end up being in the seven, wants to see LeBron and Anthony Davis with Andre Drummond coming at them in the first round. So I still think the Lakers are the team to beat. Sam Dusenberry Jr. hanging with us here on The Word with G. Last couple of minutes with the Sam D. Follow him up on Twitter at the Sam D. All right, let me, uh, let's get back into that topic. And I thought we were going to do it right off the top and just kind of flow from last hour to this hour, but we got into some other things and we kind of went off the rails a little bit with the New York Knickerbockers. But I'm curious to revisit our topic back in uh, the, the first hour of weird sports injuries or things that are just, you, you don't really see all that much. Something that you've witnessed, maybe personally playing basketball, maybe playing some softball. It was, it stemmed from a play that happened in the Mets game last night where. A high throw was made that pulled Pete Alonso off the base, and Chris Bryant was running down first base, never touched the base. He had the ball when he was off the base, then put his foot back on the base, and they didn't call him out. They still called him safe, even though Chris Bryant didn't, didn't even touch the base. Nobody looked at it, nothing. It was, I'd never seen something like that before. So it sparked the thought in my mind, that, hey, what's some weird things that you've seen on a sports field or court or something along those lines? So you can go with it that way, or you've also gotten to some crazy injuries that you've seen during sports. Well, the, the first one that came to mind is Tony Allen. I remember him coming down the lane. against. I had to look this up to make sure it was against the Pacers. And he went off the dribble, went past Captain Jack, Stephen Jackson, went down the lane and tried to tomahawk it, got called for a foul, and he just landed all badly. And he missed the dunk. The dunk didn't even count. And he kind of damn near blew out his knee for nothing. And if you know the grindfather, Tony Allen, who came under fire, going at Draymond Green a couple of weeks ago. He was never known for a high flyer. So for him to waste that type of energy, mm. trying to dunk the ball, something that he's not known for, and messing up your knee in the process, pretty weird, pretty crazy. What about something that you've seen personally, whether you're on the basketball court or you're in the stands scouting or something like that, or whether you'd be playing some old man softball out in uh, Central Park? Yeah, well, I have to go to Long Island, and uh, we were playing softball. I was still in my athletic prime, but some of the competition we were going against were clearly not. And uh, I remember one guy who was maybe about 50 to 60 pounds overweight, and most of that was in his gut, uh, got a hold of one. And probably in his youth, that could have been an inside-the-park home run, but he turned first, he rounded first, and by the time he pulled in the second, when he put that foot on that base, uh, his ACL said bye-bye. And, um, yeah, so stepping on second, I don't know if it was because he try, was trying to come to a harsh stop too fast of a stop. There was no way he was going to leg that into a triple G. His, his days of doing that were about hmm. 50, 60 pounds behind him. I guess it's that natural inclination, that instinct to try to leg one out for a triple. And his ACL said, no, sir, not today. That's rough. I remember one time, speaking of uh, ACLs, on a baseball diamond, one of my best friends. He was a catcher, smaller guy, but one of the best defensive catchers I've ever seen. This dude blocked so many baseballs; it's incredible uh, behind home plate. But he he hit a he ground. Saw me catch, sir. Huh? 
you, you, you never saw me catch, sir. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. I was the, the Benito Santiago, but a chubbier black version. The Benito Santiago. Man, that's a great comparison. Uh, so he had a ground he ball. Had the and everything. Yeah. Frozen, okay, frozen ropes behind behind home plate. Uh, I, I was throwing guys out. I threw out the the big the base the leading base stealer in the league a few times. They Man. called him Rabbit. I gunned him down a few times. Love it. Love to hear that. Would have loved to see Sam Dusenberry Jr. in his heyday behind the dish, just just gunning guys down at, at first, second, third, wherever they're trying to take off to. But uh, I was uh, I was playing on the same team as my buddy. His name is Turtle. And uh, he hit a ground ball to the pitcher, and it was like in between that weird first and pitcher, that no man's land. The pitcher ended up getting it, and he went to try to tag him. And to avoid it, he kind of lunged outside the baseline to the foul territory side. And his knee, when he planted, took a little weird, and he just ate it. And he knew right away, popped the ACL, and uh, we had to go carry him. Uh, I came out in the field. I helped carry him right off, and we just took him right to the hospital. It was uh, It was not great. It was not great for him or his knee and his rehab situation. And, and that's why the older I got playing softball, the less I gave a F in regards to effort and hustle. So I was like, look, I can pop anything at any point in time. Of I'm course. not diving for nothing. I'm not sliding for nothing. Everything for me is stand-up. Stand-up single, stand-up double, stand-up <laughs> triple. I'm not sliding for nothing. But it's hard when you get a ground ball or a fly ball or something out there and you just your competitiveness takes over. I'm like, man, I can get this ground ball if I die for it or this fly ball if I die sure. for it. Yeah, and there's plenty plenty of people in the ER who had the same sentiment. No doubt about that. Sam Dusenberry Jr. has been our guest. Follow him up on Twitter at TheSamD. You can uh, find all of his stuff over at TheSamD.com, T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. And don't forget, check out the D podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Latest episode just dropped today, so go check it out. Do it now. Thank me later. Sam Dusenberry Jr., five stars, nothing less. Appreciate you, my friend. As always, always good to talk to you and catch up with you. Thank you, brother. Talk to you next week.